You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. On the show today for a Friday Farm Report, we are going to discuss Francisco Alvarez and when he will become the starting catcher of the New York Mets in the first segment I will dive into his 2022 season, some of the trends we saw, him being a little bit inconsistent, but overall producing a lot of promising results. In the second segment, I'll look a little bit more into what needs to be done still in his minor league career to be ready to become that starting catcher. Then we'll close the show with when we could see him up and what kind of impact he could have. Before we get to any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Ficklestein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter at FicklesteinRyan. You can also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. Now, Francisco Alvarez, when will we see him this season? First, I want to take a look back at what we just watched him do in 2022, because it was his age 20 season. We saw him start the year in A. This is after a year in 2021, where he spent a ton of time playing in high A Brooklyn. So it was a natural progression, but still an aggressive assignment for a young player. And early results were great, and then we saw him really drop off. So let's really dive into his season. First eight games in double A, Francisco Alvarez tears the cover off the ball. 355 average, 432 on base, 871 slugging. He had four home runs and four doubles in his first eight games. Then over his next 15 games, Falls off a cliff. You start to have teams that can strategize for you, that are more careful with you, even though you're just this 20-year-old catcher. Now they know, yeah, this guy's legit. We got to watch out for him. And suddenly he goes through a stretch where he goes seven for his next 53, a 132 average, a 254 on-base percentage, a 170 slugging percentage. And while he eventually broke out of it after that 15-game stretch, there was still a period from April 17th to May 25th where he did not hit a home run. And we know that is what he's supposed to do. This guy has arguably the best pop in the Mets farm system. Although Mark Vientos and Brett Beatty have something to say about that. But he goes on a stretch from May 11th to May 26th, where he has a seven-game hitting streak in there. Um, well, actually, it started on May 11th and ended before May 26th. But there was a seven-game hitting streak that started to get him on track. And then on May 26th, he has a two-home run game, and he rolled from there. He would hit 14 home runs in his final 32 games in A before being promoted. If you look at the slash line he had at the start of this stretch, you know it was a 205 hitter, 299 on base, 422 slugging. That was when he was at his worst in A. He finished his A tenure with a 277 average, 368 on base percentage, a 553 slugging, and he got there from the final two games of his double-A season being remarkable, where in 185 plate appearances, he hit 311 with a 389 on base percentage and a 634 slugging percentage, had those 14 home runs, uh, 32 RBIs, 24 extra base hits, 
and we always discuss WRC plus weighted runs created plus that measures hitters based on a league average of 100. During that 42 game sample, his WRC plus was 175. So he played great, gets promoted to AAA. What does he do there? He struggles. July played 16 games, hit 173, did get on base at a 366 clip, slugged 423, but there was some struggles there. Then in August, he hit 186, only got a base at a 314 clip, and the slugging dropped off to 339. Now, he ends up getting hurt at the end of August. Last game played in that month was August 23rd. Makes his return middle of September. And that was where we saw Alvarez crush AAA pitching that in some ways led to his promotion to the big leagues. Because in a 47 plate appearance sample to close out September, to close out his AAA season, he hit 362. He got a base at a 483 clip, so nearly half the time. 596 slugging gets the call, right? You're going to join the Mets for the biggest series of the season in Atlanta when he was driving home uh, thinking that his season was over. And all of a sudden, it's, oh, wait, actually drive to Atlanta, and you're in. You're in the show. You're going to be part of this team that just won, well, at the time, not quite 101 games, but were in the upper 90s and eventually would win 101 games that would go to the playoffs, and he was a part of the playoff roster. When we look back at that, Probably not the wisest decision, and it all stems from Darren Ruff's struggles, Mark Vientos not quite taken off the way that we all hoped he would, although I still retroactively believe that he was giving better at-bats near the end before they called up Alvarez. If they stuck with Vientos, maybe it would have been a little bit better because Alvarez was just trying to do too much. He did hit a home run. Uh, He had a, a moment, but... No, consistency is something that eluded him this past year. It took some time at each stop to go through his growing pains. Double A, there was some growing pains. Triple A, there was some growing pains. Even in Brooklyn, year prior, some growing pains. So we can expect that when he gets to big league pitching and guys are game planning for him and they can attack his weaknesses, which is probably velocity up in the zone, the more that he gets reps against that type of pitching, the more he's going to be able to adjust to it. But there will be some time, I believe, depending on when they promote him, where he's going to have to figure things out. I don't think he's going to hit the ground running. Whereas I look at a prospect like Brett Beatty, and there's just a little bit less holes in his swing at this point. He's just a little more advanced as a hair, a little bit older, where I feel like he could hit the ground running as opposed to an Alvarez. But Recent reports are telling us that, yeah, Alvarez not factoring into the DH mix. They are not going to look at him and say, hey, you're competing with Darren Ruff and Mark Vientos and now Tommy Pham for at-bats in spring training. For him to make the team, he's going to have to just flat-out dominate spring training in a way where he's undeniable, and I don't think that's the case. So the question is, what else does he have to work on, and how much longer will he be in the minor leagues? What's the roster going to look like without him? I'm going to get to all of that in just a minute. First, though, today's episode is brought to you by Bilt Bar. I know that during the holiday season for a lot of us, it's time we might pack on some weight. Now or beyond that, we're in the new year. And if you're like me, you're trying to lose some weight. That is why you need to learn more about Built Bars because these are a great snack that you can count on. They taste so good. It all starts with the 100% real chocolate that they're covered in. Makes it a delicious treat that will cure that sweet tooth when you're craving the bad cookies and donuts and brownies, things that we should not be putting in our bodies. Instead, go to Built Bar. You can have some amazing flavors like the churro, the peanut butter brownie, the coconut almond. And again, 
They taste like candy bars, even though they're protein bars with amazing macros. And what's even better about these built Bars is they're healthy for you. Only 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, a whopping 17 grams of protein. And right now, the best part is, while we've been telling you for years about going to Built.com, you don't have to do that anymore. If you want to try your built Bars, all you got to do is find a local Walmart or Sam's Club. You can head to your nearest Walmart today, walk to the pharmacy section, grab yourself a box of built Bars where you can pick up a four-bar box of the cookies and cream, the double chocolate, or the coconut puffs. Or if you're close to a Sam's Club, head there, grab a 13-bar box of their hit flavors, the brownie batter or the churro. You can thank me later. Go to your local store and buy built Bars today. Now, how far away is Francisco Alvarez from being big league ready? I think there's two ways to look at it. And we'll start with the bat, right? You look at what he's done throughout his career. Okay, there has been a decent sample size up to this point that he's accrued through his time in the minor leagues. You know, started in 2019, 42 games of rookie ball. You lose the 2020 season, but he got some time at the alternate site. 2021 rolls around, starts a low A, looks like Barry Bonds for a week or whatever it was, two weeks. Gets the call to high A. He played 99 games altogether, but 84 of them in Brooklyn, so got a lot of seasoning at a high level. Then 2022, starts it out in double A, between double A and triple A. Played 112 games of top-notch minor league competition last season. All told, you're looking at 253 games played for Francisco Alvarez. A 274 hitter, 384 on base, 526 slugging. He has 50 in home runs. 50 doubles during that span. He's a career 9-10 OPS guy in the minor leagues. And I think what really helps his profile when it comes to the struggles that he may endure when he gets to the big leagues is he's not a guy that does not walk. That is part of his game, and that helps him a lot because even if he's hitting in the low 200s, you know that, that high walk rate could hopefully keep his OBP over 300. You look at his minor league career. It's over 11% at every single stop when it comes to his walk rate. That he walked at a 12.2% clip and nearly 300 plate appearances in AA this past season. AAA got almost 200 plate appearances in and walked at a 17.1% clip, which is elite. So as long as he's going to walk, you're going to be able to swallow the strikeouts, and they're going to be there. He's going to strike out about 25% of the time. But if he can slug the way he's supposed to, he can tap into enough power while drawing his walks, Getting in that on-base percentage, I mean, if he lives in the 380 range, he's been in the minor leagues, you're looking at one of the best hitters in baseball, even if it dips down to the 350-360 range. If he's able to slug over 500 and give you that pop, that's going to be one of the best offensive catchers in baseball, bar none. And I really do think that if the Mets wanted to start him, let's just say they didn't sign Pham, uh, they cut Darren Ruff, and it's just an open competition with the kids in spring training. I could see him winning that job and being the DH this season and thriving in that role. I could see it taking a little bit of time for him to get his feet wet, but once he did, he could be an awesome hitter. The thing is, what you want from Francisco Alvarez is to be your starting catcher. I mean, that's where you're trying to get to. That is the part of his development that you have to focus on. And he needs some work there. It's early. It's very early. You look at you know some of the other catchers that made their debut last year. They had some more playing time. Now, Gabriel Moreno is the one that's right online 
with Alvarez. Now we'll see if he begins this season with the Diamondbacks as a starting catcher after that trade. He was the guy that got sent out for Dalton Varsho. We'll see. But he did make his debut last season. Got about a 25-game you know, sample size with the Blue Jays. Overall in his minor league career, 253 games played, 1,069 plate appearances. That's an identical amount of games played to Alvarez. So they're right along with each other. These are the two best catching prospects in baseball right now. But I will say Moreno had an extra year on him. You know, he started a little bit sooner. Actually, really two years sooner if you take the, the time he spent in uh, one of those Dominican leagues. But since he came stateside, it was 2018 for Moreno, 2019 for Alvarez. You look at the other two catchers, though. MJ Melendez and Adley Rutschman, and both of them had more experience entering their big league career. For Melendez, all in the minor leagues. 413 games played, about 1,700 plate appearances. Or over 1,700 plate appearances. Ali Rutschman, it was split because he was a college bat. So you have 180 games played in the minors, 780 plate appearances, 185 games played in college, 821 plate appearances. So altogether, you're looking at 365 games and just over 1,600 plate appearances. Whereas again, for Alvarez, he's just over 1,000 when it comes to his career plate appearances, and he's sitting at 253 games played. So getting him an extra 250 plate appearances in Syracuse, as far as the bat is concerned, is probably still a good thing for him, even if he's talented enough to get by and just be able to adjust and take his lumps at the big league level. And maybe the learning curve would be a little bit sharper if they threw him into the fire. You still have the catching to think about, and with that, the bat will mature as well. So I, I think the Mets are very smart to open this season, park them in AAA for a little bit, let Nervias and Nino be a platoon backstop that you're going to rely on, and see how your season progresses. See if Nervias has a bounce back and is actually giving you some plus-level offensive production, because if he is, well, that will you know maybe calm things when it comes to rushing Alvarez up. See what Nino's going to give you offensively. See how those two catchers are health-wise, because if one of them goes down, that might rush Alvarez a little bit more into the forefront. I think that when you're trying to, to look at promoting a, a player of this talent, you can't just think about the 2023 Mets. Obviously, you want him to help the team, and we're going to discuss that in a minute, but you also want him to be your starting backstop for a decade. And you would hate to force him along due to needs on your MLB club and potentially hurt his future, which he is going to be a massive part of. That's what I want to discuss next. When could we see Alvarez this season? What will his role be? What kind of impact will he have and into the future? How good could this guy be? We'll get to all that in just a minute. First, though, another word from our sponsors. Now, with the addition of Tommy Pham, the Mets roster when it comes to position players is basically set. You're going to have 13. That, that's generally what teams are going to carry, a five-man bench with one of them playing DH at times. So you look at the Mets lineup. Canna, Nemo, Marte, Escobar, Lador, McNeil, Alonzo, there's eight. Uh, also, sorry, Nervias, there's the eighth. You got Nito, you got Vogelback, you got Giorme, you got Pham. That brings you to 12 players that are all but guaranteed a roster spot at this stage. Now, we never know if there's going to be an injury in camp. A lot of times there is. So we'll see exactly what happens in spring training. But 
There's going to be an open competition between Darren Ruff, Brett Beatty, Mark Vientos, Khalil Lee, if he's not a 40-man roster casualty, to accommodate the fam signing, and Alvarez. That's what's on your 40. Technically, Ronnie Mauricio as well, but he's at least going to get a good amount of time in AAA this year, despite how awesome he's been in the Dominican Winter League. So, but of all those guys, when it comes to getting the DH at bats, Alvarez is just so far down the pecking order. So many guys would have to have a bad camp. You'd have to have Darren Ruff being terrible, an injury, Brett Beatty maybe not being ready to go, Vientos. So much would have to happen for him to be in the DH, and he would have to just be incredible with both the glove and the bat to knock off one of their catchers or to consider going with a three-catcher bench. Now, we could see that during the season. You know, if we get to a point where Darren Ruff doesn't make the team or if he does and is, again, giving the Mets nothing, or maybe he's good and Fam's not and one of those guys ends up out of the equation. Let's just say Brett Beatty is not in the mix or Mark Vientos isn't. Like, there is a chance that Alvarez could be that guy and they could go three catchers or... You could see the Mets dealing Nito, dealing Nervaez. I don't know how exactly he gets up to the show. That's the interesting thing about the Nervaez signing. If they did not sign Nervaez and they went with another year of James McCann, you'd be like, all right, they'll be ready to cut bay with McCann as soon as Alvarez is ready. He's just a stopgap until then. They got McCann off their books. Nervaez is a player that they like, and they, I also think they like Nervaez to mentor Alvarez. So we'll see. It could be a situation where Alvarez forces your hand, and maybe you take a really good contract you've now locked up Nito to. I don't have those exact numbers in front of me, but you know they just locked in uh, basically his final two years of arbitration at a good cost for a backup catcher. I mean, Nito's got some value now. Uh, you're looking at two years, $3.7 million. I mean, that's something that they could shop if they want to. They could pick up or, or they could hope that Nervaez picks up his option. Or, again, they roll three catchers, see what, see what happens. I think that what's going to end up transpiring here is Francisco Alvarez is going to have a good spring training. They're still going to put him in AAA Syracuse. He's going to have two months there, and we'll see if he goes through his lumps. But he is going to be such an undeniable offensive force that at some point in June, the Mets are going to be looking at Nervaez, who's not performing. They're going to look at Nito, who's not giving them much more than you would expect Nito to offensively. And maybe their lineup's going to be going through a slump, and they're going to be like, you know what? Let's do it. And ultimately, if you can get to a point that by the end of the season where Brett Beatty and Francisco Alvarez are key cogs in this lineup, the length that you could have one through nine is amazing. You could, by the playoffs, have a lineup that goes Nemo, Marte, Lindor, Alonzo, McNeil. Uh, you know, I don't even know exactly where you go at six, you have so many options. It could be Alvarez. It could be Alvarez Beatty by that stage. Uh, you know, Alvarez Beatty, Canna. I mean, the options really are endless. Then what happens? Then Vogelback is your ninth hitter. Obviously, that wouldn't work. Bottom line, you'd be rolling out a lineup if those two guys hit, and those two guys really do hit the ground running once they are given their opportunity, where 
you know, the worst bat in your lineup might just be Mark Canna. And if Canna's bat ninth for you, getting on base at a 360, 370 clip and being a tough at bat, it's going to be one of the best lineups in baseball on a team that's capable of winning over 100 games and winning the National League East and being a real threat come October. A lot has to go right. You have to stay healthy. But this roster is very talented. They're returning a lineup that we forget was solid last year. And these guys in Beatty and Alvarez and even Mark Vientos to a certain extent have a chance to be the accelerant that takes them to a different level. And I think that's what a lot of fans like myself are really looking forward to about this upcoming season when it comes to the Mets offense. Anyway, though, that's going to be all for this edition of Locked On Mets this week on Locked On Mets. As always, thank you for listening. Make sure you follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at FinkelsteinRyan. Make sure you follow the show at Locked On Mets. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Now for your second listen, check out Locked On MLB Prospects. Hosted by Lindsey Crosby, Locked On MLB Prospects is where you want to go to learn about the stars of tomorrow. You can follow Locked On MLB Prospects on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts.